Hello and welcome to Super Rugby Round 1 Review, brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, a podcast, a YouTube channel, a Twitter account, and obviously a web page as well. Please, uh, if you're uh, on YouTube, don't forget, click down below, go and subscribe. If you're listening to this on the podcast, obviously subscribe through your favourite podcasting app. Now, tonight I have an expert uh, with me who follows pretty much every game and has to type up about them and so knows his players inside out. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, good to have Super Rugby back. So it's, it. it's been a while, but you've uh, you've, you've obviously you've been the sportsman you are. You've been uh, out, out on the pitches uh, uh, playing a bit of touch, I believe. Yeah, well, good way to keep me active and pass over the summer with a bit of oval ball, so... Yeah, unlike Mike, who's been watching that horrible game called cricket, which just seems to take take far too long, um, and has uh, yeah distracted far too many people away from what's really what really matters. So, Super Rugby is back. Um, just actually before we get actually into the games, what do you think is the whole, the whole uh, soft um, sort of soft launch? Only two games. Does it does it really does it feel like the, the season started? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think. Um... The diehard fans probably were aware of things, but if you're a casual fan in New Zealand or Australia, like I can understand a lot of people probably didn't even realize it was happening. Um, obviously there's reasons for it, but uh, yeah, it, it does feel like a little bit, almost like an extended preseason in some regards. Yeah, I got to agree. And it's obviously the, 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 comment, the South African commentators were uh, getting very excited about everything. But I think from an Australian and a New Zealand point of view, it really hasn't um, hasn't really started yet at all. But anyway, let's kick off with the first game, which was the Stormers versus the Haguaris. Um, obviously, a bit of a problem down in uh, Stormerland as they've not had any rain for, it seems like, a, lo- a very long time. 29 degrees, quite a hot uh, hot day. Um, and the, for me, the pitch wasn't very good quality. It seemed to cut up quite a lot. Um, and I think they're going to have some, the, there's perhaps some problems down there. With their with their pitch yeah it didn't look uh, too good certainly aesthetically um you know you could see it cutting up and and uh the groundsmen are, are going to have to work overtime to get that in in shape um obviously there's not much you can do about weather but uh yeah a fair bit of watering needed there is and i'm not sure they're allowed to either because uh, uh with um with their host pipe ban uh, but I do believe that uh, I think it's a, the next um, three games are away in Australia and New Zealand, so um, there is time for the for, 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 for the um, for the pitch to recover. Um, thankfully, so uh, the Pumas had fourteen. Uh, sorry, the Pumas. The Haguaris had fourteen Pumas um, in their starting lineup. Uh, similarly, um, the Stormers, even with injuries, um, had seven um, Springboks. So. There was no lack of uh, international quality on show uh, um, today, but uh, basically, wasn't it a story of same old, same old for us from the, from the Aguaros? Um, yes and no, I think. Um, there was certain elements of their game which I thought were much improved. I thought at set-piece time, uh, they've copped a lot of flack over past seasons. Maybe not so much the Aguaros, but the the Pumas have, and you know, they are almost one and the same these days. Uh, but I thought, you know, new coach and Ledesma, they, they looked to have stepped up at scrum time. And, and against the Stormers pack with 
you know, two Springbok props, that, that was uh, pretty encouraging. Um, but just they just didn't finish the chances they created, and I think that was probably the difference in the end. And it was definitely a difference uh, in attitude as well. I mean, early on, um, the uh, the Haguaris had uh, some good um, uh, some good pressure, uh, and they took um, the, uh, the the easy penalty from from that seatbelt tackle, uh, which is obviously going to be a trend we're going to see this season. But um, whereas the the Stormers were kicking to the corner a lot, uh, do you think that what thinking about the uh, the perhaps the, the the try bonus point a bit too early? It looked to me like they'd come out with a, a you know a strategy or a, or a game plan to try and move the ball and play up tempo and, and run the hug warriors around and uh, and try and chase tries and uh, it backfired on them in that first half. But what was interesting was they they got the man sent to the bin and then with a penalty inside the twenty two against fourteen they took the three points. It was. It looked like they had sort of mixed messages, or maybe maybe they didn't quite back their strategy uh, as much as they they should have. Yeah, no, I thought that that was that that was a very strange one. Is that yeah, you had you had them um, as you say kicking to corner, playing at pace, and then all of a sudden they get a player sent to the bin um, uh, coming for for coming at the wrong side, and they um, and they immediately kick kicks to the corner. And before that, obviously we had um, the, uh, the the opening try. Uh, which came after about 10 minutes of pressure. I mean, the first 10 minutes were the Tanky Warriors, the next 10 minutes were the Stormers. Um, and Delende, lovely cutback and uh, in, for, in, in for the try. Yeah, and, and really, I think the Stormers had created a couple of half chances before that without finishing. And in the end, it, it was a, a bit of a uh, almost individual brilliance, really. Some great footwork cutting back against traffic and, and just slicing through. Um, and they needed that given the, the dominance they'd had in that, that little period of the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, um, the it, I'm surprised Delende gets away with this so often now. Uh, he just doesn't pass the ball ever. I, actually, I'm, I need to check on the stats, but I, I should have them here. But um, for me, I remember seeing his stats before in other games where he just, um, he never seems to pass the ball. So you know he's going to run, run it. And yet he still seems to be able to get these um, good runs um, in actually, to be fair to him, he he, uh, he passed ten times and, and ran seven. So, um, so so I, I, I'm being harsh on it on him to, today. But I, I as as a defender, I'd be looking at him stepping stepping inside me every single time because I think he's going to either try and run over me or run around me. I never expect him to pass the ball. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to to kind of see that now. But um, yeah, it was. It was it was a, a, a bit of solo brilliance, and he, and he did show some good footwork to, to beat his man and beat a couple of defenders. Um, he did, yep. Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe says on, uh, on, on, on the chat, uh, you woke me at 2 a.m. in the USA. Well, hey, um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it is, that, 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 that is commitment um, for that. Um, and then the second try obviously came um, from Khaleesi uh, bashing over from uh, uh, when the... Haguaros were down to 14 men, um, but I think we saw. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher his name, but um, Williamson or Hill, Zilliamson, or how are you supposed to say it? Um, so, yeah. The uh, uh, we, we saw his um, lack of experience with the conversion there. Wow, I mean, it's it's not something you see every well very often at all. Um, I, I can only kind of recall maybe seeing it once or twice and. In top flight rugby, um, 
fortunately for the Stormers, it didn't come back to haunt them, but that was a gift two points that, uh, that went begging. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it, um, Williamson took two, took two, uh, had, had a kick straight out in front of the post and got charged down, um, amazingly enough. Uh, with actually so took far too long over 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 his conversion, which meant that basically that after the Hagarais went for the corner and failed um, with seconds remaining uh, in the match, you know, that half time went in fifteen six, and um, and there must have been, it it never looked like um, Hagarais at that point it looked like it sort of it was, going to, it was it was sort of game over and that um, the Stormers would push on. I thought for for them to to win it, uh, especially when they came out um, and. Um, Basically, ran back the opening kickoff uh, for a try with the. Uh, um, I thought that that, that basic that that looked like it was it was about to blow out at that point. I felt. Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing is that at halftime, if you're the Hugwires, you probably would have taken that scoreline given the balance of play. Um, so you know, you can imagine the coach's message is that you know we we've probably been outplayed. We've spent ten minutes down to fourteen, and we're still in this game. If we can start the second half strongly you know, we're a chance and like you said basically opening minute great try from from Raymond rule and, and and the stormers at that point definitely looked like and they were home and host they did um and then pretty much I mean, on 46 minutes so pretty much straight straight back the hakiwaras um get a uh, a, 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 a try out wide but again another one of these one uh, moments of brilliance Great strength by the player, but four players missing him um, on the, the uh, miss, missing tackles as he went over uh, out wide there. There was plenty of mistakes in this game. Well, I think he was, uh, Buffelli was one of the guys to kind of emerge from 2017 as, as a guy with a bit of potential, certainly for the Hugwaris, but also with the, the Argentina side. Um, I guess, and like you said, you know, there's earlier on there's um, drought and heat in, in, in the, the Western Cape at the moment. And I think you did see some evidence of guys just falling off tackles, um, whether it's fatigue or just early season rust, you know, whatever it was. But yeah, he showed plenty of power, plenty of pace to finish that and, and get, get them back in the game at that point. Yeah, and they did come back well. Um, well, they, they uh, there was a bit of a lazy play offside, which um, by by Creevy, which which uh, allowed uh, the Stormers to kick another three points, uh, and then the Stormers got um, uh, got a yellow, uh, and the uh, the Jags immediately went uh, went for whilst well, they had a scrum. Well, sorry, whilst they had a penalty, they immediately went for the scrum, trying to actually force a second yellow card. It looked like, um, and got a penalty try in at the end, which closed it right up. Um, but there did seem to be an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of scrums being being reset. I mean. The, Looking at the stats, Hackwires had 12, 12 scrums during that game. Um, the Stormers only had four, um, which gives you an idea as to how badly the Stormers held onto the ball, because um, obviously it comes from knock-ons. But that's a, that's um, we seem to spend a, a good sort of ten minutes or so actually just scrummaging in this game. I guess too the turf didn't really help things there. You know, when you're talking about things like resets, um, if you've got a turf that is cutting up, that's not going to uh, be very conducive to good scrummaging. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a game that at times looked like, it looked like it could have been a high scoring thriller if teams had finished their chances, you know, half chances, half breaks, but often pushing that pass and 
and, and looking for the offload led to those handling errors and it just made it really scrappy at times and yeah week one week one that's going to happen yeah, yeah no i must say i've got plenty of handling errors in in, in 2h was, was one of my notes there yeah the second half did did definitely break down um at, at, at times and um a tackle off the ball allowed um the uh the the the, the um uh, the stormers to pull away and get that 28 um 20 in in the end i think we also saw um some naivety as well from their young uh, scrum half who came on kicked the ball out nothing on it in it gets banged a little bit and then goes and grabs the haguaris player i thought he was actually quite lucky not to uh, who, who was trying to take a quick line out i thought he was very lucky not to get yellow carded at that point um yeah well look <laughs> It looked, uh, when Yako Piper saw the incident live, it looked like that's what the outcome was going to be. Um, and even if it wasn't a yellow card, I think it was lucky that the Stormers got the original penalty because you know, retaliation normally sees the penalty reversed. Um, I, I think it would have been... Um, justifiable to, to be a Haguaris penalty and, and giving them one last you know crack at trying to trying to snatch it but the Stormers were fortunate to get the, the decision and and cruelly really kick the goal to deny the bonus point. And the um I think I was supposed to talk about one a bit earlier than that, but yeah it was the um, there was there was definitely plenty of, of of that going on. To be fair to Williamson who is um he did manage to keep his head cool whereas a lot of players did seem to be losing it towards the end there. Um, and you also saw the Hagwaras lose it a bit uh, when they when they got the yellow card in the in the first half as well. They clearly got upset with the referee um, and and lost their heads for a while there. Uh, discipline um, for both these sides is, is going to be crucial because um, the the penalty count didn't go against um, Hagwaras as bad as you think. It was thirteen fifteen, which is just way too many for both sides. Um, in in that they both I mean they both lost their heads. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting this year for the Hagwaras with a new captain. Um, you know, especially with Creevy still on the side, so how does you know, Matera put his influence on the on the side and, and try and get that discipline um, when you still got Creevy doing Creevy things? Yeah, now you mentioned it. I'm sorry, there were times when I was thinking, and I thought, actually, what are you talking about? Creevy was captain. He was making cap. He was talking to the ref and making captain decisions. Yeah, so clearly it's not. It's not. Uh, he, he's not stepped down uh, as cleanly as you as, as you'd like to him to, like for him to have done. Uh, a couple of stats I'm just going to pull out of this uh, it was particularly around the, the Argentinian tackling. They missed 38 tackles out of 72. Um, and when you've had 62% uh, of the possession, 60% of the territory uh, throughout the game, that just kills you off because they really could have won this if they'd, if, if they'd been tackling properly. Yeah, and I think uh, Matera actually mentioned that in his, his post-match speech is just, you know, individual tackle errors can really hurt you um and, and a lot of them were you know just missed tackles by by individuals one-on-one -on -one rather than sort of system lapses um which are you know entirely different but um yeah and the, i guess the interesting thing was that the stormers you know came out to try and play at pace and probably run the hard warriors off the park yet at the end of the game i would have said you know if they played another 
10, 15 minutes, it was the Jaguars finishing stronger. Um, yep, very true. And when we contrast this to the next game, uh, the Stormers racked up five, over 560 metres with the ball in hand, the Jaguars 440. There's plenty of running um, in this game, as you say. Um, the defence sort of we've talked about was 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 a bit poor we had some good turnouts from the um uh on the stormers side on the other hand williamson added 11 um tackles didn't miss any which is impressive it's fly half car at number eight hit uh, got got through 14 tackles and again didn't miss any either so some some big out uh, some big performances uh, defensively from the stormers and one player i'm going to call out um lavanini only gave up one penalty and that's a vast improvement on last season well, yeah, absolutely right. And I think uh, it doesn't seem to matter which sort of locking pair they go with out of you know, Lavanini and Alamano and Petty. Um, they all seem liable to gift away a penalty or two a game. So that'll be a big work on for the for the Jaguars. And, and as you've touched on before, like discipline for them is, is crucial. Um, particularly, particularly when they're away from home. Yeah, and Creevy gave up four penalties. Um, and again, me and my pronunciations, uh, Chaparraro, the uh, the prop also gave up four penalties. So those are the two main culprits um, in this one. As I say, the locks um, generally behave themselves um, compared to last year where they seem to be uh, good for at least a yellow card each, um, or at least one yellow card a game between the two of them. Uh, but yeah, as I say, they, they, they definitely proved that. So after all that, can you see anything different from the Jaguars? We're looking at the, looking at them basically just being the best also rounds in, in in the African Conference. Yeah, I think it's hard to tell. I think they they showed signs that they could possibly compete, but but then I'm not convinced. You know how good the Stormers are as well. Um, that the Jaguars are obviously going to be tough at home. Um, but I, yeah, I, I can't see them contending for a final spot. No, I, I've got to agree with you there. I think that, that again, the discipline and um, they're, they're, they're trying too much uh, is, is, is going to hurt them, hurt them yet again. On the Stormers' side, um, I was actually impressed by Williamson. I, th I thought their their real weakness was going to be nine and ten, um, but that actually stood up pretty well. Uh, and I say they kept he kept his head, whereas everyone else was losing it. Uh, but yeah, you'd expect them to be getting a try, a, a try bonus point at home against Jaguars if they were going to be contenders, I think. Yeah. And I think it was a game that could have been for them. They created enough try scoring opportunities, but they just lacked a little bit of composure at times. Um, there was a great example in the first half where they, they, uh, had a penalty advantage inside the 22 and. I can't remember who it was, but one of them put in a, you know, a needless kick over the top that just gifted away possession. Well, you know, well, they went back for the penalty, obviously, but gifted away the advantage. Um, and stuff like that is what... Can, I think that's the difference between the, the Kiwi sides and some of these other sides, is that they'll they'll take those opportunities and look for the tries um, and look to use those long penalty advantages rather than going for the, the miracle play as soon as you've got it. Um, the halves combination showed some signs of promise, but I guess the test for them is going to be how composed they can be when, when they're under real pressure in those big games. Yeah, but they have got a pack that should, I mean, as you said, they had, they've got two starting, uh, they got, they were starting with two um, 
with, with two props. Um, uh, and they've got Etzebet than people to come back. So and they've got a uh, they've got a pack that should give um, that should provide front football uh, for those halfbacks. They shouldn't be going backwards on, on too many occasions. I wouldn't have thought. That's true, and I you know I think Khaleesi and and Carr really showed their class um, in this game and their standout Lucy's um, Cobus Visa. I thought impressed at times as well. Um, so yeah, the the packs what will will keep it in keep them in it, and then but yeah, the the test is going to be those how the halves go in those big games against particularly against the New Zealand sides. Yep, totally, and um, and of course their tour starts uh, or their, their Australasia tour um, starts next week. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they go uh, in Australia next weekend. So moving on to the second game then. The Lions versus the uh, the Sharks, and um, in our in our preview last weekend with Grit Sports, um, uh, Filler um, said there that basically if the Sharks lose this, that's the end of their season, um, and he sees them as being the only team that can that, that can challenge the Lions. Is it all over for them, or or, or can we say there's time there's time to grow back? It's it's a long season. I think the the result for them to pick up a bonus point. You know, it, uh, on the road at, at Alice Park or Emirates Airlines Park is, you know, that's not a bad result for them. And and yeah, they were they were right in it, and they they showed, yeah, they they showed some promise. So yeah, I, I can't write them off yet. Yeah, no, I think I was. Uh, uh, I thought it was being a bit harsh to say in the, in week one it was all over if they if they lost it, but. Um, these are the two teams that people are expecting to be to, to be fighting it out for the top of the Africa Conference, um, and I think it could come down to to depth. Um, whereas we saw, you know, for me with the Lions, if uh, Elson Yankees ran the show pretty well, his, his kicking from hand um, was was, was accurate. Uh, we didn't see him make any any howlers like he can sometimes do when he gets put under pressure. I thought he had a composed and good game. Uh, but if he if if, if he goes down. The, the, you've got to wonder how the Lions would would, uh, would cope without him, I think. Whereas on the other side of the, the fence, the, the the Sharks have got themselves a bit of depth in there um, uh, with um, Dupria starting, um, who's, uh, his dad is obviously coached, but that's obviously not, that's not, that's got nothing to do with it. Um, and I've gone blank as to the, the guy who came off the bench who, who Bosch. played. Bosch, that's it. Um, they, they've got a bit more depth there in that, in, in that, but um no, I thought yeah, Jankies ran the show really well today. Oh, the weekend, sorry. Yeah, I think he did. And, and the one of the big advantage that, that the Lions have is that they're, they're a settled side. Um, I think uh, when I was doing the the, the pre-match team news, I think there was only uh, like only two changes to the back line from the team that started the final, and maybe only another one or two in the forwards. So, you know, to be able to bring back pretty much your whole side from the year prior, um, that certainly helps in terms of combinations and whatnot. Uh, obviously, a new coach, but you know, if they can keep, avoid injuries and, and and keep that that side together, then they are going to be the, the front runners again. Um, you, you you say a new coach, but he was he's been an assistant with them for a couple of years now. Um, him and Ackerman, as far as game plan goes, are I think he he did actually a lot of that coaching. Whereas um, 
for him. So I don't think there's, there's, there's going to be no vast changes in, in that kind of front. I think the place where they where where they will potentially struggle is I don't think he has the charisma that um, Ackerman has. And if they're at some point in the season, they're going to come across some sort of adversity and it's how well he pulls the troops through that. I don't think it's going to be, I think it's, it's more the mental side he's got to handle rather than the tactical side. I think, I think it'll be fine tactically. Yeah. And I think uh, if you did watch the game on the weekend, it was pretty evident that they were still trying to play up tempo, play at, at speed, uh, you know, happy to launch from inside their own half. Um, but you are right, you know, Johan Ackerman is a, a bit of a one-of-a-kind individual and, and an inspirational um, kind of guy, and, and that is going to be a challenge if, if they do, as you say, you know, go through some adversity. Um, and we say that they were happy to run it forever, but this, to me, this game had a lot more, well, I know it had a lot more clicking because I can look at the numbers, um, but the, um, um, especially early on, both sides were were looking at uh, only wanting to play in the right half, right parts of the pitch. Um, and, and kicking the territory a lot more. Whereas in the Storm and Haggy Rives game, both sides were happy to kind of have possession and style the opposition of the ball. It's a very different style of game. Yeah, and I mean, when I say, you know, happy to launch from inside their own half, it's, it's kind of um, you know, game situation um, dependent. You know, there were a couple of times off turnover where they, or, or off an era, where they were happy to try and you know, shift it immediately and run. But for the most part, you're right. You know, this this was a game between two uh, two competitive sides that that felt you know it, it felt like a game with something on it. Whereas at times the other game felt like you know they're still in preseason and and just you know, trying to score from everywhere. Yeah, we 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 kind of say that your forwards win the game and your backs kind of say by how many. But in this one, the Sharks dominated the line out. And the Lions dominated the scrum. And it's kind of like, okay, so you have one each of the of the set pieces. It was kind of strange how uh, how dominant both of them were in, in their own in their own one. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they they have their their strengths at, at the different set pieces, and and it, it makes it interesting because you know when you get to certain parts of the field, you know, depending on what your platform is to launch off. Um, you know, if, the, if the Lions had line-out ball, they, you couldn't guarantee possession, whereas if they had scrum ball, you know, it was it was good ball to attack from. Um, so, so, yeah, it did make a... It was an interesting wrinkle in the game. It was fun. With both sides, I noticed, we're, we're trying um, for the choke tackle as well to try and bring in that... Um, uh, to, to try and bring... To, to try and t- cause turnovers that way. And we saw that when we had um, and the Lions had eight scrums to the to Sharks ten. Um, the Sharks only won four out of their ten scrums, which is just crazy stats. Um, whereas the Lions won six out of eight, so they weren't perfect either. But uh, that's that's quite a lot of scrummaging in a game. Uh, and I say that I think they, they both sides were trying to get scrums or trying to turn the ball over via via malls, even if in the Sharks' case they generally lost the ball straight back again by losing <laughs> yeah. the scrum. I think as a, you know, it kind of doesn't go through a person's head when they're trying to win that more turnover. They they see a scrum as a as a net positive, and uh, it's only when they're packing down that they realise that they can't get that that ball back. So, um, yeah, some interesting stats there. There were um, 
and I think uh, whilst we'll, 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 we'll um, so and the Sharks got the early the, the early try, um, basically uh, pressure told after they after they couldn't get their mall working, and that showed actually through the whole game. Neither side really got their malls going. Um, in this, both were able to disrupt each other's malls, um, which we say very competitive packs. Um, and then uh, Mape, Mapo, oh, dearing me, hear me, my pronunciations. Um, the, <laughs> I think so, they were saying it was like his 97th uh, um, game and uh, got himself the first try by cutting a nice line. Yeah, just real. Yeah. As, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's just a, a great line out wide. Um, and just you know, angle through the through the line and 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 for a pretty simple finish in the end. Um, yeah. But you were saying that they had uh, only about two new guys in the back line. Uh, one of them made his presence felt uh, soon after that with a wonderful uh, sort of uh, take take of the ball off Warren Wrightley um, and then uh, chip it through or well, grubber it through and and, and touch down. That's quite one of the well probably try of the round so far. Yeah, well, I saw something on Twitter this week that, that sort of said, um, you know, what was the try of the round? And there were there were a few, I guess, contenders. The uh, rules was a pretty useful one, Amber Fally. Um, but this was this this was a uh, this is one we'll be talking about, you know, come the end of the season too. Um, pace initially to get get clear down the flank, and then the skill to be able to grab her and regather to score in the corner. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And I, and the reason I didn't say his name is because I, I knew I'd butcher it. But um, <laughs> yeah, even I'm not confident over that one. <laughs> um, so I think it's uh, Mahuzu, Mahuza or something like that. But he um, he uh, apparently got told he was too too small to play rugby at school. Gave up rugby, went to university, took rugby back up again, and now yeah, he's a professional out of, uh, playing super rugby level. He does look a bit small. He did take a few bashes late on, and it was slow to get up. So we'll see how 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 far through the season he makes it, but um, but yeah, definitely a, f a fun one to watch um, whilst he's uh, whilst he stays um, uninjured. Sorry, um, Paul. I'm just going to can I just pop for a, a minute? Yep. Just gonna. Whilst um, have it. Oh, Ryan takes a quick break. Um, the game. We'll talk. We talk about the attack. We talk about playing from anywhere. We we'll talk about the kicking. But one of the big things um, in this game for the Lions was um, was their defence, uh, and they definitely held out uh, the um, Sharks at the end of that first half, uh, and that was crucially important um, because it meant they went in at half time, um, probably fourteen seven up, uh, which which obviously uh, they could easily have gone in um, evens um, at that point, uh, and uh, the the tackling. Um, they made six, uh, sorry, made sixty out of seventy-four, uh, or an 81%, which is a decent tackling rate. Not a great tackling rate, um, but uh, but it's a decent one, uh, and that definitely was was part of what won them this game. And we're going to take a break there and wait for Ryan to come back. Sorry about that. No worries. And after the half, after the uh, the the, the uh, halftime break during the game. Well, starting in the second half, um, obviously we saw that big, uh, big defensive effort from the Lions just before half time. Um, but then the shots came out in the second half, some lovely offloading, um, uh, and I think they did a lot more, uh, attempted a lot more offloads than, than the uh, than the Lions did. 
um, to, to get into their to get their second try and to, to bring things within two points. Yeah, well, I, I guess you know you touched on earlier about the, the tactic to try and you know, tie the ball up and win more um, more turnovers, and I think well, one way you can try and counter that is just to to try and keep the arms free and and keep the ball alive. Um, and I th the Sharks looked like they had a little bit of a different strategy from years of old, where they were happy to kind of keep the ball moving and keep the ball alive and almost fight fire with fire. Um, whereas I think in, in seasons gone by, they've been happy to sort of grind out games and, and be a little bit more conservative. Yeah, but I felt there was um, an element of them uh, trying the same thing over and over again. Um, sort of going wide and trying the offloading game, whereas we saw from the Lions a much more variety of t they they would go down the blind side. We Elton Yankees try to chip over the top, it didn't come off, but it was something different. He tried the crossfield kick again; it was defended well, but it kept the defence uh, um, having to guess the whole time as to what he was going to do because he did try a lot of different things, um, even if they didn't always come off. I think the you know the makeup of the Lions side kind of allows them to do that whereas you know they've got sort of weapons all over the park and, and can kind of vary it up a bit more um the sharks i think are a little bit more uh maybe traditionally sort of you know, constructed as a team um i don't think their midfield provides quite the same attacking threat they're, they're good ball carriers but then they're not the kind of guys that are going to sort of spark stuff um out of nothing um so, yeah, I can certainly see your point there, and, and I'd agree with that. And then um, Lamapi, uh, so we, we, Lamapi had another, um, uh, well, finished off a great break after um, Kowetsi, uh, had, had, a, had a wonderful break, uh, and then managed to finish off that move. And at that point, it looked like, to me, Lions were about to pull, were going to pull away at that point and, and take control of the game. Yeah, I thought Kurtzia was probably one of the Lions' best. Um, yeah, you know, he, he kind of sparked a, a few breaks uh, throughout the game, and, and he was one of those ones who you know, was happy to kind of to launch a counter when he when he spotted it was on. Um, that was another you know, well-worked try and, and well-finished by Mapu. Um, and, yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right. The, the Lions at that point, it, it did look like they were in control of things. And, and I think it's credit that the Sharks stayed in the game until the end. They did. And I, I, whilst you, you, if, you, if you add up all the missed kicks, it ends up being, uh, I think they both left about seven points out, out there. But um, we had a lovely long ball that... Um, uh, that the Sharks put down in the corner after a much improved scrum. They changed up. They brought on the beast uh, and, um, and and someone else from memory. Um, that meant that their, their scrum wasn't totally disintegrating as it had been before, uh, which gave them the platform and they and they got to try out wide, which made it twenty one nineteen. But with having already left seven points out there, they could easily have been ahead at that point. And I think that scoreboard pressure told in the end that the Lions never had to chase the game. They always had it kind of in hand um, from there and knew that they could guess they needed more points, but they didn't have to go chasing those points in the same way the Sharks were having to always chase the game during that second half. Yeah, and I think uh, there were times in the second half where the Sharks you know, kind of created half opportunities, but because you, you're desperate to, to chase the game and, 
and come from behind the you know we'll push passes or we'll try something that that wasn't on and that kind of deny those opportunities um there's one one example i recall where bosch kind of carved right through up the middle and and looked to have the lines under pressure but then a, a loose pass just you know just relieves that pressure and lets them off the hook and and those kind of things that's they kill you in games and, and you're right if you're not taking your, your points as well then um, it, it changes the, the whole sort of the whole i guess plot of the game yeah I, it, it was definitely a dry day but i mean there has been quite a lot of rain in in joburg apparently um not down where um not down in cape town um and um uh, but even so it was definitely a lot of that uh, early season stuff i mean we had 18 turnovers conceded by the lions and 12 by the sharks there was a lot of sloppy handling, a lot of balls hitting deck, a lot of turnovers, um, especially after players were tackled, um, that really didn't, um, that really was a problem. The, I wish we say, uh, we had a, um, uh, the, obviously we say we got, they got within two points. Um, there was a great kick to the corner uh, where, um, by, by, by Angie's. And again, I think he won the kicking game today, um, which definitely helped the Lions. Uh, forcing the Lions to take take the ball out, and, and a rare Lions um, line out that worked led them to a uh, to, to a try that basically finished off the game. There were a number of missed penalties from then onwards, um, but um, the Sharks just sort of ran out of steam at altitude. Yeah, and I think you know if you've looked at the Lions over the past season, like they they've got a, a strategy and a game plan. That's designed to do that to take you know, take teams out of their comfort zone late in games. Um, obviously, they're based at altitude, they're trained at altitude. So, playing that up tempo game and being able to um, you know, bring that out every week plays into their advantage late in games, and, and it's it's a weapon of theirs, and it's it's one of the reasons that they've they've been successful over the past couple of years, um, as well as being able to finally translate some of that success onto the road. But. Yep, and I think the, the, the other side we saw the altitude take effect early on was uh, kicks were going much longer than players expected. I think we had at least two kicks go um, uh, go fully dead and another one that went for a 22 that was kicked from well within the opposition's um, half. So, yeah, they had, they, they, the players had to take a lot off, had to take some uh, energy off those kicks because they were going, uh, they, they, were, they were going a long way. So, yeah, I think that's probably... My kind of points is yeah that the, the, there were lots of errors in this game. The Lions mixed it up more than the Sharks did, uh, and also had probably had the, had the better defence uh, and, and kick game, and that was enough to see them home uh, against uh, yeah against a team that's going to be competitive in the in the Africa Conference. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a real clash of styles and um, as well. So yeah, it's interesting to sort of to look at that game and, and try and work out where these teams go from here. Obviously, the Lions are going to keep playing that up-tempo game. Um, it looked like the Sharks tried to kind of match it with them in the second half, but I think the Sharks will probably revert to type um, in coming weeks and, and go back to that sort of your more traditional grind it out in the forwards, use the halves uh, to, in, the, in their big ball-carrying midfield to try and you know, beat teams that way. Yeah, it would be interesting. The, uh, a friend of mine has, has described the Priya as being as kind of being a South African South African um, uh, fly half. So yeah, he's a big boy. Uh, actually, got involved in some turnovers and some rucking, which um, 
I think his dad might have been saying, get out of there. We need you to kick the ball, not to be rucking and trying to turn the ball over. Um, but um, so, yeah, he looks like someone who's going to get himself, uh, put himself about a bit uh, and, and, and kick the ball a lot. So I think, yeah, I think we're going to see a traditional uh, game coming out, 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 of the, out of the shots going forwards. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, I'm glad that Super Rugby has started. Um, and Ryan, where could everyone have watched, followed those games over the weekend and where can they follow all the games this coming weekend? Yeah, so you need to get yourself the Tribe Sports app. Um, if you go into the App Store or the Play Store and, and search in Tribe Sports app, you'll find it there. Uh, we've got live text commentary of all the Super Rugby games, as well as, of course, your Six Nations and a whole heap of other sport as well. So not just for your rugby lovers, but uh, your sports lovers as well. Cool. Um... So thank you very much for joining me. Obviously, I've been Paul, the guy behind Driving Wall. Oh, and also, Ryan, where can people talk to you um, on Twitter and stuff during the week? Yeah, so follow me at New York Nixon. Um, like I said, we're, we're a sports thing, so it won't just be your rugby hot takes, but uh, plenty of other sporting chat as well. So hit me up there. Yeah, Ryan's also into his basketball as well, looking at his tweets. Um, the... Uh, me, I'm going to clear what's going on in that kind of area. I'm just rugby, rugby, rugby. And you'll tell that because this week, uh, tonight, obviously, we reviewed the two games from last weekend. Tomorrow night, we have Hash Rugby Chat at 8 p.m. New Zealand time. That's Tuesday. Thursday, I'll be previewing the upcoming Super Rugby games um, with uh, Mike Pullman. I'm not sure if, Ryan, if you're free, uh, maybe we'll see you there as well. And also, perhaps we'll see Steve from Cornflakes Crib. And then at the, this weekend, there I'm going to be doing live post-game reaction to the Highlanders versus the Blues, the um, Crusaders versus the Chiefs, as well as France, Italy, and Scotland, England as well. So lots of live shows coming up for you on YouTube. So don't forget, click down below on subscribe. If you listen to this podcast, don't miss any of those shows by making sure you subscribe through your favorite podcasting app as well. And finally, if you want to get hold of me, I'm on at Driving Mall on Twitter, way more than is uh, healthy for any uh, sane human being. So um, you can always hit me up there and have a good old rugby chat.